Does truth exist? Because you have faith, does that make this book true? Does God exist? So when someone says there is no truth, if you apply the claim to itself, what should you say? Is that true? They don't think Christianity is true. They're talked out of it. You know why they're talked out of it? Because they've never been talked into it. Cross-examining skeptical and atheistic views. Welcome to Cross-Examine with Dr. Frank Turek. Ladies and gentlemen, you want controversy, we've got it. And the first question I want to ask you as we get into transgenderism, because that's going to be the topic, largely the topic of our discussion here today is, does love require approval? A few years ago, Dr. Mount and I debated two representatives, LGBTQ community, on whether love requires us to approve or affirm one's position. And we picked this topic because many people today believe that love does require approval. If you love me, you're going to approve of what I want to do. Now, Dr. Brown and I were arguing that love does not require approval. And of course, our opponents in this debate were arguing that it does. And at one point in the debate, we looked at the other, we looked to the other side and we said, do you love us? And they said, yes. And then we asked them, do you approve of our position? And they said, no. We then pointed out that they had just lost the debate because they didn't approve of our position, but they still claim to love us. Ladies and gentlemen, love does not require approval. Everybody knows this. If you're a parent, you know this. If you're a former child, you know this. Look, if you're eight years old and your parents approve of everything you want to do, would they have been loving if they did that when you were eight years old? No, they wouldn't have been loving they would have been enabling. There's a difference. Love requires that you stand against actions or behaviors that people want to engage in that are going to hurt themselves or hurt others. Love requires that we stand in the way. And by the way, you can love bad things, right? You can, you can love doing evil to one another. That would not be a good thing. So love does not require approval and what we're going to do is talk about this topic today on transgenderism and also same-sex marriage because I saw it fit to actually update a book I had written in, in two stages. This will be the third edition. It's called Correct, Not Politically Correct. And this is going to be about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. We're going to actually focus on transgenderism because that's the new section of the book the book has been out, uh, well, it's it's coming out May 15th. What's that? That's Monday. And there's no better person to help me talk about this than the great Phoenix Hayes, who is uh, working here at crossexamine.org and is writing a book on identity. Here she is. Phoenix, how are you? Frank, it's good to be here. Long time no see. <laughs> yeah, like, like five minutes ago in the, pre, in the pre-show. Yeah, we were saying, oh, how are you doing? We've been talking already. but That's she, right. She's doing just fine. But you're writing a book on identity right now. It's an important issue for you. Because I see so many of the problems that we're seeing culturally um, from Black Lives Matter to the homosexual, you know, the LGBTQ movement, and now this transgender wave or craze, whatever you want to call it. It's all, in my mind, to people seeking identity identity and linking that identity to community and innate need to want to connect yourself to something solid. Of course, we know that that most solid thing needs to be our creator, but mm -hmm. I digress. Um, did you, uh, you've, you've opened, you've opened with the couple of chapters on that fantastic, not, sorry. Yeah. You, it's the section, I just read a couple of, couple of paragraphs from it, just to get into it. I felt in the book Phoenix, he had to start talking about the issue of love because people will claim that we're unloving voice when in fact we are loving because we want what's best for them and the data show that what they really want for themselves actually isn't what's best for them. And this book, by the way, correct, not politically correct, is not a book where I'm quoting Bible verses. This is a book you can give to somebody who is not a Christian, but is open to evidence. Uh, this book is loaded with evidence and, and citations from studies and medical studies and, 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 and journals and that kind of thing. And uh, I originally wrote it back in 2008 when the same-sex marriage issue was very hot. And then after the Supreme Court uh, 
um, impose same-sex marriage on states. Uh, they engage in what's known as judicial activism. Marriage has never been a federal issue. Make it a federal issue by judicial fiat. Right after that, I wrote a uh, another update to the book where I added uh, several uh, sections to it. And then I just felt now is the time to add to it again because the transgender issue, Phoenix, has come out, it seems like, nowhere. I don't know right. about you, but, you know, I thought that after um, the same-sex marriage issue was passed by the Supreme Court, imposed by the Supreme Court, that the left in this country would say, well, we got what we want. We got the social approval of same-sex marriage. But, man, it seemed to have gone on steroids since then. It's crazy. It is. It's absolutely. I, I've been looking at graphs and you just see the spike. I mean, we saw it was spiking back when Abigail Schreier's book came out mm -hmm. just a couple of years ago. And now it's it's just exponentially beyond even that. And it's reaching the all the corners of the earth. I, I have literally family back in New Zealand who are dealing with this very issue right now. Um, so what starts in the U.S. <laughs> trickles out and it hits does. the entire Western world. Yeah, exactly. All right. What we're going to do is shift gears now. You, you're going to play interviewer yeah. because I don't want to like ask myself a question from the book. I know. <laughs> so, so weird. <laughs> and then we're going to take your questions, ladies and gentlemen. So you can put them in the chat um, here on YouTube or probably on Facebook as well. And uh, we'll, we'll get to your questions soon. But Phoenix, take it away. What are we going to talk about? All right. So I know every, most people who follow us are super familiar with your book. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, co-written with Dr. Norman Geisler. Not everyone knows that you've also dedicated a lot of time on this topic of same-sex marriage and the, the culture of tolerance and, and all mm -hmm. these different aspects that the church is largely being too silent on or they go in the other direction and they're they're hitting it aggressively in front in the wrong way so let's just rewind and go back to uh for those who aren't familiar with your book you've broken it up into six different sections now because we keep adding and mm -hmm. lord jesus please don't let there be a part seven right. we're not ready for a part seven there's six parts to the book part one addresses the idea of tolerance mm -hmm. i want you to comment on how uh how the world appears to be almost weaponizing this idea and how the church needs to respond. Yeah. Well, tolerance actually used to mean that you would allow somebody else their opinion and hear them out, even though you disagreed with their opinion. Now it means that unless you celebrate their opinion, you're not tolerant, which of course is ridiculous. Tolerance presupposes that you disagree with the idea. You don't tolerate things you agree with, you tolerate things you disagree with. Right. And so uh, they've they've morphed it into now you better celebrate everything that I believe in. And so we point that out in, in, in this book as well. And as I said, the book is not a book with Bible verses. In fact, I think the only Bible verse that I actually quote in the book is in this last section, uh, because I think it's just ancient wisdom mm -hmm. where it says, above all else, this is in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. We're not supposed to follow our hearts. We're supposed to guard our hearts. So this book is is written to somebody who's not even a Christian, but but is open to good reason. At least we hope it's good reason. Uh, the, the first two editions of this book got great reviews, even though there were some people who didn't read it and put one-star reviews on it. And you know how I know they didn't read it, Phoenix? Because they said... Well, quoting the Bible isn't going to help you. Well, it's too funny. <laughs> there, there's That's no funny. Bible verses in the book. And these, right. these reviewers are saying, oh, he's just quoting the Bible. No, I'm not. That's right. In fact, yeah. I have gone through and I've read some of those reviews. And what I love is I think the top one on there, the, you know, the heading for the review is this contains no Bible verses. Yes. And <laughs> at first I thought, oh, this is a, a ticked off Christian. Why is it? And actually he's he's praising you for it. It's like, right. This, this, anybody can read it because God's nature and the laws he set for us are, are logical and reasonable and mm -hmm. it, evidence. So we don't need to just pull scripture out of context to quote unquote clobber people with. Or even in context, because you can show uh, just from good reason, from biology, from natural law, from the medical facts that both same-sex marriage and transgenderism are not good for individuals and they're not good for society. But we're going to concentrate on transgenderism tonight because that's the new section of the book. Now, I know you're dying to focus on that, but we got to take a couple of steps back because right. we didn't 
just get here out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. We got here first with same-sex marriage. Yeah. So what would you, if you could go back and talk to yourself or even talk to the church 15 years ago when this book first came out and said, this, this is, you know, people warned, this is a slippery slope. Where are we going? And they said, no, you're crazy. What do you wish? How, let me back up. What, how do you think the, uh, the judicial decision to allow for same-sex marriage began the journey that got us here? Well, let's start at Adam and Eve. No, um, <laughs> too far back. You, too could, far you back. could go back to Carl Truman's book, the triumph of the, uh, what is it? The triumph of the modern self, something like that. But we don't have time to get into that either. Carl Truman has done some great work here. Yeah, I think, and you know, I know people, Christians are always saying, oh, it's the LGBTQ community that brought us uh, same-sex marriage. No, I think originally the folks that brought us same-sex marriage are Christians who decided to dispense with the biblical view of marriage and went more with the romance view of marriage. And what I mean by that is, is that marriage is all about feelings and uh, you have these feelings, and that's why you get married. And if the feelings go away, you're no longer in love, so you can divorce that person and move on to somebody else. See, it's all about love, when in fact, marriage is really a covenant. And even from a secular perspective, it's a covenant between two people and the state. Of course, in Christianity, it's a covenant between two people and God. Mm -hmm. But marriage isn't supposed to be uh, just, uh, based on feelings. If it's based on feelings, you, you know, when you get up to the marriage altar, you can't pledge feelings. You can't say, I'm going to feel a certain way for the next 50 years. You might as well say, I can't, I'll never feel angry. I'll never feel hungry. You can't do that. All you can pledge is action and it's supposed to be for better or worse. This is by the way, why you take a vow. You don't need a vow when you're infatuated with the other person. You don't need a vow when everything's going great. You need a vow when you wake up and you go, you again? Oh, gee. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I'm tired of you. Right? You're annoying me. You know, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I much be, I'd be much better with the girl next door. No, no, that's what that's when you need the vow. Right. You need a vow when things go bad. Mm -hmm. So you're you're pledging yourself till death do you part, regardless of what goes on. Now, there obviously there are exceptions for divorce. We get that, but generally, this is a lifelong relationship. But we bought in. Not to the covenant view, but to the romance view. And if if marriage is all about love, well, why not two people who are the same sex and they love one another? They have romantic feelings for another. Why not? Now you see what this does. It makes marriage nothing about children. Marriage is just all about the fulfillment of the feelings of adults. Well, if marriage isn't about children, what institution is about children? There isn't one, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. And it's not so much that same-sex marriage is the problem. It's the fact that same-sex marriage has made marriage genderless. In other right. words, marriage has nothing to do with children. You can just put two of any kind together. And why two? I mean, if it's not about children, why not three? Why not four? Why not five? What, you know, what does it yeah. matter at this point? Mm -hmm. The reason marriage is between two people of the opposite sex is because it's built into the nature of biology. It's built into natural law. It's built into design. It brings forth and perpetuates and stabilizes society by bringing forth the next generation. It's, it's a procreative relationship. Okay, so, but Frank, let me stop you. Mm -hmm. Are you saying then that uh, uh, an infertile couple have have no right to being married uh, just as to, you know, if the, if the covenant revolves around mm -hmm. procreation, mm -hmm. what, what do you, what's your answer to that? Well, you would, first of all, that's the exception rather than the rule. Secondly, it's still illustrating to society a generally procreative relationship. Thirdly, you don't know if they're infertile when they go in, but if say you do, say they're an older couple or something, uh, the marriage between a man and a woman still keeps the man off the street from impregnating other unwed mothers. Uh, so it's still a good for society and it's still generally a procreative relationship. But you don't base laws on exceptions. You base laws on the rule. The problem with genderless marriage, particularly same sex marriage, it's, it's never procreative, not naturally anyway. And it, right. it doesn't illustrate to the rest of society that um uh, that procreative relationship. It doesn't illustrate that this is an institution where two people come together and put away their annoyances to get along with one another, to bring forth the next generation, to nurture them and bring them forth. And Christians abandoned that about, about 50 years ago. Uh, right. In fact, the first governor to bring no-fault divorce in, some people will be shocked to know this, was Ronald Reagan. Mm -hmm. he, he signed the law when he was governor of California. He later came to regret that. But now... 
the most important contract in a civilization is now a contract that one party can break even if the other party doesn't want them to break it. And there's no fault. That's disastrous for a society. And I think we've seen the disaster that's occurred in crime and children out of wedlock and uh, children not doing well who don't come from two-parent homes, at least not as well as the two-parent home. I mean, there's just so many problems. But we're, we're, we're digressing. We need to talk about transgenderism. We need to get there because that's what the new section of the book is about. All this stuff I'm talking about is in the book as well, but it's, 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 uh, it's already been in there. That's right. So mm-hmm. for, uh, part five, Frank does explain a lot of natural reasons, not spiritual ones, for why same-sex marriage is not um, doesn't support society, doesn't stabilize society, and also impacts the individual's health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know you have a funny story about when you gave up what one day on stage, you gave statistics of the average lifespan of someone in a same-sex relationship. And what was it? What was the, there was a, Oh, we were here in Charlotte and they were, they were doing some sort of uh, sexual orientation meeting at the city council. And I got up and, and pulled some stats out to point out that same-sex relationships are inherently unhealthy. And at that point, the data was a lot worse than it is now. I mean, there have been medical advances, but mm-hmm. at that point, the median age of death, I think for lesbians was about 46 and for uh, gay men, it was 42. It's higher now, but at that point, that was like 30 years ago. Right. And so after I, I, I mentioned that, I said, why would we be encouraging this? Uh, some lady said, she was a lesbian. She said, I'm 55. And I said, median. It's the median age. Doesn't right. mean that nobody <laughs> lives longer than 46. Right, right. She's like, you know, I, it, I reject your statistic. Yeah, I'm yeah, still alive. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I didn't say everyone dies. It's, it's a median. It's the middle. That's right. Anyway. So, so then speaking of the way these lifestyles impact one's health, uh, what, 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 through your research, have you discovered about the projected lifespan and the inherent health risks associated with young teens and people in their early twenties taking these hormone, um, replacement and puberty blockers and all these things? Well, unfortunately, um, there's not really good data other than to say that people who identify as trans, uh, have a, a, uh, death rate double what people who don't identify as trans are at any given time. Mm-hmm. But I, I just want, and this is in the book, there was, there was a woman that uh, went, tried to go through the surgery uh, in order to ostensibly become a man. Now, actually, it's, it's impossible to change your sex. You can't change all right. 100 trillion of your cells. You can alter your body, but you can't change your sex. And uh, this woman uh, actually... Uh, was very candid with what, what she went through. And I'm just going to read what she, what she went through. Okay. She said, during, she's trying to become a man. She said, mm-hmm. during my own transition, I had seven surgeries. I also had a massive pulmonary embolism, a helicopter life flight ride, an emergency ambulance ride, a stress-induced heart attack, sepsis, a 17-month recurring infection due to using the wrong skin during a failed uh, phallop. Uh, Plasty. This is trying to put a male member on her, basically. Mm-hmm. I think phala opposite. I don't know how to pronounce it. Anyway, <laughs> 16 rounds of antibiotics, uh, three weeks of daily IV antibiotics, the loss of all my hair, only partially successful arm reconstructive surgery, permanent lung and heart damage, a cut bladder, insomnia due to hallucinations. Oh, and frequent loss of consciousness due to pain from the hair on the inside of my urethra. All this led to a form of PTSD that made me a prisoner in my apartment for a year. Between me and my insurance company, medical expenses exceeded $900,000. She went on to say this, the happy, lighthearted salesmanship of, of medical transition and its blunt reality don't match up. Doctors and medical transition proponents don't prepare you for the transition-related post-traumatic stress disorders. They don't mention post-traumatic stress disorder or any of the multiple hardships because it is considered transphobic. I want to tell my story so that others can hear what the medical industry is too afraid to say out loud, that gender transition surgery is not the magical solution that doctors, the media, and the culture describe, unquote. Now, this is all in the book. Uh, the book is called Correct, Not Politically Correct, about same-sex marriage and transgenderism. This is in the, mm-hmm. in the new section six of the book. 
And again, this is not a book quoting Bible verses. This is a, a, a book looking at evidence, looking at medical journals, looking at science, looking at some uh, experiences that people have had. And uh, it's really horrific. And actually, you made this point, uh, Phoenix. Maybe you can unpack it because you helped me uh, with uh, writing some of this, mm. that people don't actually ever completely transition right why, Why yeah not? right it's it's a, it's another false uh, salesman tactic the the concept that oh she transitioned two years ago you can't you can't transition we know this you can have your breasts removed you can begin taking testosterone but you will literally be fighting your biology every single day from that point forward to the day you die and that death will be brought forward at an earlier date sadly yeah, because you're taking all sorts of uh, hormones to try and force your body to go in a direction it's not meant to go in. If you're a male, you're meant to go in a male direction, a female, a female direction. And to try and cross that uh, brings all sorts of other problems, including a weakened heart, osteoporosis, right. and uh, several other problems. Right. So now you not- know. Yeah, go now, ahead. You, now, you know that uh, there are more and more parents being put in an impossible position, mm-hmm. it would seem, by uh, psychologists, mm-hmm. giving them one of two options when their children present uh, symptoms of gender dysphoria. What 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 are those options and, and what would you say to that? Well, they typically say, you know, if you have well, let, let's back up just just for a second, just to, okay. to uh, give it some context. Gender dysphoria is a real condition and some people truly do have it, but there's been about a 4,000% increase over the past, say, decade of young girls claiming to be trans. Traditionally, gender dysphoria actually affected only one in 10,000 men. Mm, And now you have all these young girls claiming they're trans. And Abigail Schreier, you mentioned earlier, wrote the uh, seminal book, The Transgender Craze or Irreversible Damage, How the Transgender Craze is Seducing Our Daughters, says that in some schools she's visited, 30% 30% of the girls are claiming to be trans. Mm-hmm. And she says this has got to be a social contagion because we've gone in one in 10,000 men to now in some places, 3,000 and 10,000 girls claiming to be trans. And she's saying this is almost exclusively communicated through social media. And right. um, I actually I have some anecdotal evidence for that too. I have a friend uh, that works at uh, Starbucks and uh, she's an older lady. She's not there for the, uh, she's not there for the money. She's there for the ministry. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's uh, some people in her Starbucks that are trying to transition. And uh, she says that they sit during their break and they watch TikTok video after TikTok video, mm-hmm. trying to convince them that what they're doing is right. All these positive voices that what you're doing is right. You should be trying to take these hormones. You should get the surgery, all these things. They need to be constantly, constantly affirmed. And they're in an echo chamber. They don't, they don't see the counterpoint of this at all. They're not going to read this young woman that I mentioned earlier had this, 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 this nightmare trying to transition. And she's still having a nightmare, by the way. Right. Um, they, they only hear one side. And my friend said to this woman um, who was uh, trying to become a man, she said, you know, when I was, a, when I was in high school, I, uh, I did some things that I still regret, but it was not anywhere near the kind of drastic, irreversible decision that you're trying to make now. You might not think you want to have kids now, but maybe someday you will. In fact, that's one of the things, and I document this in the book, Correct Not Politically Correct as well, Phoenix, that um, there are some gender clinics that are now closing, particularly in the UK. Why? Because the UK was a few years ahead of the US on this. And they tried to transition some young girls where they actually cut off their breasts gave them cross-sex hormones, and then the girls became adults. And they said, what did you do to me? Right. I didn't have, I didn't give this consent. I wasn't old enough for this. And now they're suing these gender clinics and the gender clinics are seeing the writing on the wall and they're going, we're closing. We're, we're not going to be able to continue this. They're also seeing that what they're doing is medically harmful. Yeah, so good. hopefully that will will stop this because the mutilation of children is not something anybody should be for. Mm-hmm. Fine. You want to do this when you're 26 or something after your brain is fully formed? Well, you're an adult. You can do what you want. But we should not be forcing this on children. This is not the way forward. And tragically, the our, our own United States government 
is actually said, if you don't, and this again is all documented in the book, if you don't affirm your child with gender affirming care, that means if your boy thinks he's a girl and he's three years old, if you don't affirm him in that, the government may come into your house and take that child away from you. I'm not making this up. This is all documented, incorrect, not politically correct. Right. Uh, so now, the government is threatening that yes. kind of punishment mm -hmm. and taking your children. What are the psychologists threatening? The psychologists threatening. What, do you mean? what are they? What are to, they? Oh, 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 yeah. Going back to your original question. Well, sometimes psychologists will say, so if you have a girl, you can have, either have a dead daughter or a living son, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, 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 it's emotional blackmail saying you have to affirm because she'll commit suicide if you don't. Well, right. first of all, that is emotional blackmail, mm -hmm. uh, right there. Uh, if someone were to say to you, do this, or I'm going to commit suicide that you're not helping them by doing it. Okay. Right. right. <laughs> you need, they, they need psychological help. Okay. If, 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 if the child actually is threatening this. They need a lot of psychological help. They need prayer. They need psychiatry. They need counseling. Um, and transitioning the child is not going to fix the problem because the suicide rate after the surgery is 19 times higher than the general public. There is a, there is apparently for adults, there is a honeymoon period after they have the surgery, they feel better. These are people with true gender dysphoria, but about the 10 year mark, the suicide rate just goes through the roof. And it's 19 times higher, higher than the general public. So whatever the solution is, it's not transitioning. And we, we, we cover a lot of the data in the book, correct, not politically correct. Again, it comes out on the 15th, which is just what, Monday. So you can uh, order it. You can pre-order it on Amazon. And we'll have it at, at uh, crossexamine.org on Monday as well. You can get it either place. That's right. Yeah, um, what, do you, what, do you, what would you say? If, if your child came home and said that, or a psychologist said to you, Phoenix, you can either have a living daughter or a, or vice versa, a, a, you know, a, a living daughter or a dead son. What would you say? Yeah, I, I, I mean, having three daughters, I would completely reject that as my only two options. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, other people do present that to me when I speak out against the transgender movement. They mm -hmm. say, even Christians, don't you know that this kind of language is it more, is the truth more important to you than saving their lives? And my response is yes, because that's not love. My words, anybody that threatens suicide or death at the price of truth is, is manipulative, mm -hmm. being manipulative. You would, mm -hmm. it's the one and I'm one, number one warning sign. If you're in an abusive relationship, when the other person says, leave me and I'll kill myself, what do mm -hmm. you do? You just stay with them. Every every therapist would tell you, no, you need to get out immediately, and they need therapy, they need counseling. Now I know that's very different when it's your child, oh, yeah, not yeah. an abusive partner. Yeah, it's it's not an easy situation. We're not saying, oh, it's real easy. We're just saying you need to follow the truth. And uh, Jack Hibbs and I actually did a sermon on this at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills on on just Sunday. Last weekend, right? Yeah, this yeah. last weekend. You can see it at Real uh, Life with Jack Hibbs, his YouTube channel. And one of the reasons I appreciate Jack Hibbs is that he will tackle any issue, the most controversial, it doesn't matter, because he knows that people need good answers to these controversial issues. And we actually have a question that's come in. Why is the church so silent on this issue? And I think one of the reasons is, well, I, I don't know all the reasons, but certainly one of the reasons is people are afraid to talk about it. They're afraid to get canceled. In the name of inclusion, tolerance, and diversity, by the way, the people who right. say they're, they're for inclusion, tolerance, and diversity will cancel you if you start speaking on this. Secondly, I know that some pastors are worried about filling the pews and making sure the money comes in to, to, to keep the uh, the staff going. And, and, and obviously, you have to consider that, but you can't consider that at the expense of truth. You're not in it for the money. Mm. Um, but actually, the reality of it is, if you start speaking on these controversial issues— What's going to happen is you will lose some people, but you're going to gain a whole bunch more and they're going to be sold out. That's the uh, that's the experience of so many churches. And that's just not anecdotal. Uh, Tony Perkins of the Family Research Council has pointed this out, that uh, you need to speak on every issue because people need a track to run on. They need to know what the truth is. You know what breeds ambiguity or I should say breeds anxiety? It's ambiguity. And a lot of people have their anxiety ramped up because they don't know how they ought to respond to these hard issues of the culture. 
And you can't keep saying, well, it's political. I can't speak to it. First of all, you can speak to any issue. Secondly, who, se who, who sets the terms for what's political and what isn't? Thirdly, the Bible is now political. Are you going to speak on that? You know, in Canada, uh, Elisa Childers was just up in Canada. And she was at the church where a pastor was actually arrested because he was preaching from the Bible on same-sex relationships. Uh, right. At what point are pastors going to say, sorry, we got to preach on this? It, mm -hmm. now, now the Bible's political. You're going to talk about that? I mean, yeah. please. So if you love people, you will give them the truth regardless of the consequences to you. By the way, this video is probably not going to remain on on, on uh, YouTube very long. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm surprised we're still on now <laughs> because we're, you know, we're trying to speak the truth. We're trying to help people through this issue. And maybe there's one thing I can I can say that We'll, we'll clear up a couple of things because people think, well, maybe they're right. Maybe there are multiple genders. No, mm. there's only two genders. Why? Well, first of all, the natural design of the body proves there's only two genders. Look, for a human being, you can only produce one of two things. You can produce an egg or a sperm. There's no third category. Okay. And any, if someone can't do either of those, it's an incapacity. It's not a third capacity. You can either produce a sperm or an egg. Those are the only two. Secondly, transgenderism ironically presupposes fixed genders. Because if I'm a man, and yet I think I'm a woman, I have to have some idea what a man is and some idea what a woman is to know that I have a mismatch between my psychology and my biology. If there were no fixed genders, there would be no way for transgender, easy for me to say, transgenderism to even be possible. That's the only way you can detect that you have gender dysphoria is if you know what the genders are, right? right. And then thirdly, in order to make the so-called transition, I'd have to know what a man is and what a woman is to try and do that. So transgenderism on one hand tries to say there are more than two genders and the genders aren't fixed. On the other hand, it has to presuppose fixed genders to even exist. And as right. you know, Phoenix, this is a, a problem within the so-called community. The community is kind of fracturing now because if the T's get their way in the LGBTQ community, then the L's, the G's and the B's don't exist uh -huh. because if, 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 if there are no genders, you can't be gay, lesbian, or bisexual. Right. They, they, they require genders. So, and of course, as you know, the feminists are not happy with this either, because if there are no oh. genders, there are no women. And if there are no women, there are no women's rights. Oh my goodness. And then, then the number of, I mean, it's another one for the patriarchy, isn't it? When men mm. can now compete against women in every, it's mm. not only in sports, but they're now getting modeling deals and being in makeup commercials. And it's just like, well, <laughs> feminism has taken a back seat when men yeah. can apparently wear makeup better than women can. Imagine, imagine if LeBron James decided he was a woman and decided to join the WNBA. Right. How do you, how do you think that would go for the ladies in the WNBA? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's really, really ridiculous what's going on, all in the name of enough truth. And we say that trying to help people that truly have gender dysphoria. That's because right. we don't want them to go down the road that isn't going to help them. It's shown not to help them. That's what the data show. It's not my opinion. I'm just showing you what the data show. And this is why Dr. Paul McHugh, who was the lead psychiatrist at John Hopkins University, many years ago stopped doing these gender transition surgeries because they didn't work. He found out that suicide rate was 19 times higher than the general public after the surgery. And he said, you cannot change your sex and to try and give surgery to do so would be to actually participate in a mental disorder. You, you shouldn't That's be right. participating. You should, you should try and heal the mental disorder with psychiatry, counseling, prayer, medication, if necessary, but not surgery. You, you, you don't fix a, you don't fix most psychological conditions with surgery. Mm -hmm. You fix them with psychiatry, with counseling, with prayer, with, with uh, medication, if necessary. In fact, yet, you often uh, relate this to someone that's suffering from anorexia. Yes. What would you do? Would you do surgery on them? Do liposuction? Yeah, what that's, what, that's what Dr. Paul McHugh brought up. He said, you know, if your daughter's suffering from, if she has a, a mismatch between her psychology and her biology, she thinks she's overweight, but she's actually dangerously thin. She's anorexic. Would you give her liposuction? Right. No, you never would. Or if your daughter right. thought she was a mermaid, would you, would you take her off the coast and drop her in the ocean? No, you would say, honey, you're, you're having a delusion here. We need to help you. You, right. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't advance the delusion by giving her what she wants. That would not be loving her. That would be loving her to go down the wrong road. That's right. Now, you raised an interesting switch in statistics that we've seen since. So when Abigail Schreiber.
released her book, I think mm-hmm. now five years ago, mm-hmm. the the statistics were leaning toward boys. Boys were the ones that were originally most likely to encounter gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. And now, as you say, it's flipped the other way drastically. Yeah. Right. What are some reasons that you can see that is that explains that phenomenon among w- girls? Because boys have access to social media too, right? right. They they're yeah. social. So what what are some things you've picked up? Well, it seems to me, and maybe you can add to this, it seems to me that girls seem on on average, maybe not all, but seem to be more concerned with their image and their their body image than say boys are growing up. And they're more susceptible then to people who are who, who promise them that the oddness that they feel going through puberty can be fixed by some sort of surgery or some sort of chemical. And in reality, it's not going to be fixed. And I think maybe what we need to say, Phoenix, is that puberty is one long, big transition. And right. it's normal Indeed. to feel odd. It's normal to feel odd as a teenager. That's normal. That's what transitions do. Correct. And for you to then say, well, you know, um, now I ought to have surgery or I ought to, I ought to uh, you know, have some sort of uh, chemical to fix this isn't isn't the right road. In fact, 80% of young people that have this so-called gender dysphoria, whether it's true or whether it's just uh, social media driven, mm-hmm. grow out of it by the time they're 18. So why would you do something irreversible to a child when the problem is likely going to fix itself by just waiting? Right. It's like they are pl- placing a halt on the very natural remedy to the mm-hmm. solution, you know, so there's that. It is interesting that uh, in the media, we're mostly seeing men that are identifying as women. They're, they're the ones in this, like they're peacocking. They, they've they mm-hmm. embraced this identity and now they're out and loud and proud and aggressive, right? Um, the women, and they're not getting the same attention. And I think I think that speaks to a comment that uh, I think it was Matt Walsh. Typically speaking, the the men that want to transition as women are doing it often because they want attention or they've got some kind of fetish going on. They're seeking attention. They're seeking that um, just, uh, yeah, girls that to want to transition into uh, men it's not that they are running towards something. It's that they're running away from something. Mm, they're mm. developing these bodies that they're not ready to have. They right. don't want the attention from men. Maybe they come from a history of sexual abuse, any number of things. And so they're like, I am not ready to enter into this world where men look at me differently and um, and yeah, well, I have to compete against other women. And yeah. Well, tra- well tragically, the data does show that, Phoenix, that um, – most people that experience true gender dysphoria had some sort of traumatic event in their childhood. And Walt Heyer, who lived as a woman for eight years and then became a Christian and detransitioned, and he he, he now runs the website sexchangeregret.com, that's sexchangeregret.com. Mm-hmm. He actually um, has interviewed thousands of people and he always asked them, what what brought this on? How, how did the, when did these feelings start? Why? And he says it almost always goes back to an event. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, he says with regard to, to um, women or men bec- trying to become women, if they were sexually abused, they have this psychological need to get rid of the organ mm-hmm. that they were abused with. Um, that's, that's the psychology behind it. Also, and this is in the book as well, the data show that 63% of people that claim to be trans have some kind of pre-existing mental health condition. So about two thirds already have a mental health condition Mm -hmm. and that contributes to them claiming to be trans according to the data. In other words, trans doesn't bring on mental health issues. Mental health issues appears bring on trans people claiming to be trans all right. Not in all cases. This is date, you know, this is average data. Okay. So, um, and you're right. Tragically, there are people that will use this to their advantage to actually live out a fetish. And as you may know, I think in California, some men who are prisoners are claiming to be women. Then they go into the women's, uh, they they're sent to the women's prison and they rape the women. 
Right. And so this is another, so again, and you mentioned in the book, of course, this whole ideology goes against nature. It goes against Mm -hmm. all the science and data that we know, but it goes against so profoundly. And this is what gets me. You don't have to be religious. You can even deny the science. You could be completely on board with the notion that one can be uh, a gender that is different from their biology. It's not supported, but let's say you're on board with it. What category do we split up humans for sports and closed institutions like jail what what is the category is it identity Mm. or is it physical ability right 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 yeah well it's it's got to be physical ability that's what sports is about physical ability right right Uh, but i would also say that i have a solution to the transgender sports issue it's quite easy just have a, a transgender category you know, that's right. The problem yeah, yeah. is, is there there's so few people participating in sports who are transgender, they'd be nobody to compete against. Right. But if you wanted that's to say, right. we'll have a transgender league, all the trans men can be in this league, all the trans women can be in this league. Have at it. Go right ahead. That's but right. to try and have uh, trans women, which really means a man trying to be a woman in a women's sports is is actually unfair to women. Uh, women now can't compete against some of these because they're guys. We saw that with the so-called Leah Thomas, right? right. He was what, 430 something as a man in, in collegiate swimming. He suddenly goes to number one when he decides to swim in the women's division. That's cheating. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the poor women that, you know, spent their whole high school careers trying to, you know, win the, the, the NC2A title. Now, now he wins it. You're going, come on. That's right. I was going to say, if you're not going to create the transgender category, you just mm -hmm. introduce betting. Betting. Done. Betting? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Who do you take in this? Yeah, right. (laughs) I'll take LeBron James over the entire WNBA. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. Um, A common question that comes up a lot uh, is whether or not Christians should use preferred pronouns for people. What would Mm. you say to that? Yeah, I'd say no, because you're lying to them. You're enabling them. You can use whatever name they want because names are not gendered. Mm-hmm. But um, to call a, a he a she or a she a he is not, you're not helping the person. And you're actually lying to that person and you're probably violating your conscience by doing so. Mm-hmm. So one question I would ask someone who, who says, you know, will you use my pronouns is do you consider yourself a tolerant person? Because they're probably going to have to say yes. And then when they say yes, then you can say, great, because if I have an opinion different than yours, you'll tolerate it. Another question you can ask is, do you think it's right to try and force people to violate their consciences? Hopefully that person's going to say no. Right? Great. Then don't try and force me to violate mine. I wouldn't be loving you if I were to lie to you, even if you want me to lie to you. Uh, right. And, and, and by the way, if this happens in your family, if you're a young person, you know, your, your daughter, your son says, you know, I'm trans now. Um, don't freak out. You know, if you freak out, are they, is the kid ever going to come to you again with, a, with an issue? No, they're going to go to somebody else, right? You got to be a safe place to come. You got to say, well, thank you for telling me. Let me, let's, let's talk about this. In fact, one thing you ought to say, my first pastor used to say this to his kids, there's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. There's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. But love doesn't mean approval, as we've already mentioned. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you some questions. What do you mean by trans? And then mm-hmm. how did you, you come mm-hmm. to that conclusion? You can see this is going down the tactics route that Greg, yeah. how did you come to that conclusion? When did these feelings begin? Do feelings always tell you the truth? Do you think your feelings might change? Your feelings already have changed because a month ago you weren't trans, now you are. What changed? Do you think they may change again? Have you ever considered... That 80% of people in your position actually grow out of this by the time they're 80. Oh, it's by the time they're 80. 80% grow, yeah, by the time they're 80. Yeah. There's yeah. hope, when ladies and gentlemen. Over. <laughs> <laughs> like by the time they're 18, they grow out of it. So it, there's no reason to take a drastic position here now. Let's let's wait this out. And then you might ask them, have you ever read about any of the medical effects and side effects of trying to transition because I can almost guarantee you they haven't because the medical community does not advertise these. That would be transphobic. We wouldn't want to actually tell people the truth. We might be called a name. No, we have to tell people the truth if we're going to love them. So if you ask those questions of your young person, I think you can help them see that 
this is not the road to go down. Certainly not the road to go down as a child, because chances are things are going to change anyway. That's right. Yeah. I, I would also be inclined to ask them, what problem do you think you're going to solve? Like what, what, what is the mm -hmm. underlying pain point mm -hmm. that you're trying to, that you think will be resolved by mm -hmm. going this way? Yeah. The ultimate people are looking for wholeness. Yeah. They're looking for a secure identity. And it's not just transgenderism. You're never going to get secure identity by saying your identity is with uh, another person or your identity is with your gender identity or your agenda uh, or your sexual preference. I mean, let's take sexual preference, for example. Mm -hmm. What happens when you can't perform sexually anymore? You no longer right. have an identity or what happens when you're no longer sexually preferred? You no longer have an identity or if you put your identity in your job, what happens when you lose your job? or your right. bank account, or, you know, another person, what happens if the other person leaves you or God forbid dies, you no longer have an identity. Mm -hmm. No. And here's where I'll bring Christianity in. Your identity is secure in only one thing. And that's Jesus, because you can lose everything else. You can't lose Jesus. That's right. You were, you were meant to put your identity in your creator and your designer. You don't put your identity in, in fleeting things. In fact, Sam Albury, you may know Sam Albury. He's a, a same sex attracted man who is a Christian speaker. He's like 48 years old now. He lives yes. a celibate life. And I heard him down in New Orleans earlier this year, and he was talking about the identity issue. And he said something very profound. He said, never put your identity in any part of your sin nature. Mm. Your identity That's is good. not part of your sin nature. Your ultimate identity is in Christ, who then not only forgives you, but gives you righteousness. You can lose everything else. You can obviously you can lose your life. You, you can't lose Jesus. He's eternal. And so are you. That's right. Uh, one of the questions that's come through is yeah, what's let's go some, to questions. What questions we got? Yeah. What, what's some advice you would give other high school students who may have many gay or trans friends? Um, yeah. What, what's your advice to people? Cause you know, we're at, typically we've got adults watching, right. And yes. often they feel so disconnected from what's going mm -hmm. on and mm -hmm. they downplay, oh, it's not really happening. It's the, the kids, the kids know, oh my gosh, this is everywhere. And none of the adults are really talking about it. So I think what, what we I, need, yeah, I, I think what we need to do, uh, you need to befriend everybody, treat everybody like they're made in the image of God. You don't have to agree with them on everything to love them. You know, mm -hmm. sit down with them. If someone claiming to be trans, say, hey, what's your story? Tell me why you feel this way. Tell me when these feelings began. Same questions you might ask if you're a parent to your to your uh, your child. You know, when, when did you when did you first feel these? Well, was there an event that caused you to feel this way? Do feelings always tell you the truth? Do your feelings ever change? Have you, have you looked into, or have you noticed that 80% of people that have these feelings, by the time they hit 18, they, they grow out of it, their, their feelings change? Have, have, you, have you looked into the side effects and the, uh, the ultimate effect of trying to transition and all the negative things that occur when you're trying to, have you looked into this? So just ask some questions. Uh, look, look, when you're a young person, I know I was a young person at one point. What do you wanna wow. do? You wanna fit in, right? What's the easiest way to fit in now? In today's culture, claim you're trans. Everyone's going to applaud you. Anyone who says that uh, you shouldn't do that, that it's going to be harmful to you, is going to be shaggy. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, when you're a teenager, you kind of want to stick it to mom and dad now and then, don't you? Right? What better way to do that than claim you're trans? Okay. Watch them freak out. Watch them sweat a little bit. Okay. When the parent doesn't bite, when the parent's very calm and say, well, thanks for telling me, honey. Well, that, what do you mean by that? And you know, how did this happen? And why do you feel this way? And feelings ever change? Feelings ever tell you the truth? You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what's what's the end game here? Where's this going? You think you're going to live uh, you're going to live a wholesome life by going down this route? Right. One day more, you'll have a mm. bunch of really gross, disfigured people mm. making lawsuits. Um, Lance brings up a good mm -hmm. point. He asks, isn't the real issue here that people are choosing to reject God as their creator and the sovereign authority of truth? Either we are transformed by a holy God or, or we bow to any variety of falsehood. Yes. So, I, yeah. I think all sin is rebellion against God. Um, yeah. now some people can just be confused, right? But at sure. the heart is, is it is rebellion, uh, because we want to do our own thing. We want to try and change reality to fit our desires when we really should be trying to change our desires to fit reality. That's what we ought to be doing. And that's, by the way, the difference between someone who claims to be conservative and someone that claims to be on the left. The conservative wants to conserve what we know is true, which means the conservative wants to try and change his or her desires to fit what we know is true, fit reality, conserve reality. 
where the leftist wants to say, I want to try and change reality to fit my desires. Now, that may be well-intended, but it's a fool's errand. You can't change reality to fit your desires. You may try, but you're going to smack up against reality, and it's going to hurt, tragically, as the data show. And it's all in the book, correct, not politically correct. And you can go to Amazon right now and download it or go to crossexamine.org forward slash pre-order. And a little bit later, we'll put up a QR code. You can just take a picture of it if you want. That's right. Now, it's interesting. Not only are the individuals trying to reframe reality, but now we're really seeing a strong push from the government level looking to reshape society. Mm -hmm. So why do you think particularly the current administration is so uh, motivated by this particular movement right now? I don't know what why that why they're totally motivated by it. I just think that it it is a leftist ideology, and tragically, uh, when you destroy gender, when you destroy what God has created, uh, you you're destroying civilization because you can't have look. Let's let's just be honest here. You cannot build a civilization on the LGBTQ community. No. As much as we love people in the LGBTQ community. You're, you can't build a civilization on it because it doesn't procreate and it doesn't nurture and bring forth the next generation. You need the core of civilization to be heterosexual. And uh, you're, 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 you're not going to do that by trying to cross sex, you're making people sterile through cross sex hormones or cutting off perfectly healthy sex organs. You're not going to do that. Now, Joe Biden, for most of his career, has just been a, a, a kind of a moderate Democrat. And he used to be against abortion because he's Catholic. And now it appears that he's not running the show. Okay. Uh, you know, he's told what to say. He's told what to do. He comes out with cue cards. I don't, I don't even know if Biden is, is really behind all this. I think there are people in his administration who are. But regardless of that, what, what the source of it is, what the motivation is, isn't really the issue here. The issue here is that it's happening, not why it's happening. So the question is, what can we do about it? And what the, what we can do about it is speak the truth to it, to try and throw people a lifeline who are open to the truth. That's right. You made it, um, you told um, an interesting story about uh, your friend that works at a Starbucks and mm -hmm. she's, you know, she, she ministers to people there. What, there's another reason. What, why do you think we're seeing so many of these types working at places like Starbucks? Oh, well, yeah, I can tell you why Starbucks, because Starbucks pays for the transition. Right. See? Interesting. They, they, they get the, they got great health benefits. And so mm -hmm. they'll just show up and, and before you know it, they've got these health benefits and then they can get uh, the transition costs uh, lowered dramatically. Interesting. Uh, so you just reminded me actually, so to homosexual behavior used to be categorized as a mental disorder, right? Mm -hmm they had to do away with it because of social pressure and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Interesting that gender dysphoria or transgenderism, that is still categorized as a disorder because they need insurance to pay for transitions. It's the only reason they'll still keep it. Well, there. actually they've softened it a little bit and they oh, call yeah? it dysphoria now. Oh, okay. It dysphoria. used to be called a disorder. Gotcha. Uh, it used to be called gender identity disorder. Now it's right. called gender dysphoria and it's political. It's politicized. Phoenix, why? Because the APA has a bunch of other stuff that's still called a disorder, right? We have them listed. We have them listed here in uh, correct, not politically correct. This happens to be on page uh, one ninety. Listen to all these different disorders: attention deficit disorder, autism spectrum disorder, conduct disorder, disruptive mood di dysregulation disorder, eating disorders, internet gaming disorder. Major depressive disorder uh, and the bereavement exclusion, mild neocognitive disorder. It goes on. I could keep reading. Yes. But none of these have to do with sex. See, as soon as sex comes into it, we need to destigmatize anything that's associated with sex because sex is the sacred sacrament that our society thinks is part of the it's part of the new religion, the religion of sex. So we can't say anything related to uh, sex is a disorder anymore. It started with homosexuality. Now it's the transgenderism. Mm -hmm. well, and where's it going? Yeah. You already now, know this. Where's it, oh, it going? It's yeah, tragically. And, and this way back in 2010, when I first wrote this book, uh, a guy who was an FBI agent went undercover with NAMBLA. You guys know what NAMBLA is? North American mm -hmm. Man-Boy Love Association. Mm -hmm. He went undercover with NAMBLA and he contacted me. He wrote a book about it. And he said, you know what the NAMBLA people are using for their 
justification for pedophilia. We were born this way, right? This is where it's heading tragically. In fact, I just got a, uh, a message from a friend who was actually in a state government who said the next thing that's coming before a state legislature is to try and lower the age of a, of that's uh, not accountability. What do it age of consent? Yeah. Right. Age of consent. So pedophilia can be uh, engaged in. In fact, in California, they have a 10 year rule now. As long as the offender yes. is within 10 years of the minor, the, yeah. the, the, the judge has discretion to let the, the pedophile go. So That's if right. you have a 23 year old man who's having sex with a 13 year old girl, the judge can say, ah, it's within 10 years. This is crazy. This is madness. And now, didn't they do something similar at the World Health Organization? They're trying to, if, if they haven't already succeeded, they're trying to um, remove any kind of legal consequences to I hadn't heard pedophilia. that, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Right. It's, uh, well, I mean, this goes all the way back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You remember her on the Supreme Court? When she was with um, the ACLU, she wanted the age of consent lowered to 12 years old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and that was, what, 30 years ago. So this has been happening for a while. Yes. In any event, what else we got Q&A wise? Let's see. Q&A wise. Uh, yeah, guys, drop your comment, drop your questions in the chat and our team will grab them and make sure we see them. Um, I don't know if you know about this prominent pastor, but someone says, what do you say in response to a prominent pastor who recently said, while speaking of gay, gays and transgenders attending church, that they have, quote, unquote, more faith than Christians who are heterosexual. Yeah, that was Andy Stanley. That was Andy oh, Stanley. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, that, that was. And what Andy was saying, I haven't talked to him about this yet because he's a friend of mine. Mm. Uh, I, I plan on talking to him about it to unpack what he said, what he really meant by that. Uh -huh. I think what he was trying to say in context was he's got people in his church who claim to be gay and they're volunteering for everything. Right. And uh -huh. he can't get heterosexuals to volunteer. Now, he claims to be not an affirming church. However, uh -huh. it seems like some of the things that he's been saying lately almost seems like he is affirming. So time will tell. Uh, in any event, um, I think he was trying to make the point that there are people who uh, are same sex attracted mm -hmm. and uh, they're claiming to be Christians and they want to be, they want to serve in the church. Right. In, uh, in a sense, you're seeing yeah. more fruit from them. Yeah, than... yeah, that's that's what he's saying. Now, mm -hmm. uh, the only person, according to the Bible, who's not welcome in the church is a person who claims to be a Christian and says that, 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 um, that known sin is not sin. Mm -hmm. uh, that comes from 1 Corinthians 5. Paul says, expel the immoral brother. You know, there's a guy who was sleeping with a stepmother. And, he, yes. and Paul says, you guys are proud of it. Kick this guy out. Maybe Satan will straighten him out and he'll come to his senses. Okay. Right. Uh, so if, if a pastor has someone in their church that claims to be a Christian and says that same-sex behavior is a good thing or adultery or fornication or anything else is a good thing, Paul says, out they go. Now, if they don't claim to be a Christian and they're struggling with these things or they think these things are still good, they're welcome in the church. Okay. But anyone who claims to be a Christian and says these things, they're not. Paul says, don't let that leaven get into the body. Don't, don't approve of things that God doesn't approve of. Mm -hmm. Right. Very different from someone who comes into the church saying, hey, I'm wrestling with this. Mm -hmm. I have same-sex attraction. I am battling it. Help mm -hmm. me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, someone asks, um, why aren't people going to jail for talking to children about sex at the school level? Um, uh, so I guess we're not just talking about sex education, but I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing these viral clips of parents coming to school board meetings oh, and yeah. reading out just the most graphic books mm -hmm. available mm -hmm. in elementary schools. You know, Why are were, people being convicted? Yeah, well, they should be, you know, there, there, are, there are two governors. Well, one's a governor, Ron DeSantis, another one's a Lieutenant governor, Mark Robbins, Robinson here in North Carolina. In fact, I saw him last night actually here in Charlotte and um, he's running for governor. And both these guys started to read what's in some of the books that are in like elementary school libraries. And guess what? The news organizations had to cut away. They couldn't show it on TV. 
Now, here's my question. If it's not appropriate for the news, how is it appropriate for a five-year-old? Right. Right? That seems like a pretty good test. If we can't yeah. read this stuff on national TV, why are we letting our kids see this stuff? Mm-hmm. Now, fact, people are coming back and saying, oh, so you're book banning. That is what the Nazis did, book banning. Okay. What would no. you say to that? Well, first of all, it's book selection, number one. There's only a limited number of books that can be in any library, so you got to select what's appropriate. Secondly, we do ban books for minors. Yes. We're not talking about adults here. We're banning them for minors. You keep your minors away from several things. You keep them away from hot flames. You keep them away from uh, from jet engines. You keep them away from, from driving a car. You keep them away from alcohol. You keep them away from drugs. You ban a lot of stuff. You keep your kids away from pornography. You should anyway. That's appropriate use of banning something. Now, if we're talking about adults, that might be another story, but we're not talking about adults. Right. So, yes, every library, every librarian has to select what's in her going to be in his or her library and what shouldn't be in. And it's got to be age appropriate. That's just common sense. Mm -hmm. Same reason we don't have how to build a bomb in right. elementary school mm -hmm. libraries. Right. Uh, someone has said, uh, what should I say to a person who claims they do not care about natural reality or God's law? Well, uh, it would be like somebody who doesn't care about reality. All you can do is the four things I typically recommend, and that is uh, pray for them, love them, which means doesn't mean you approve of everything they do, as we mentioned earlier. Plant seeds every now and then to point out that their worldview is not true and Christianity is, and then wait. Why wait? Because someone is going to start caring about reality when tragedy strikes. And tragedy strikes all of us. And if you're going down a road that's denying reality, you're probably going to slam up against it much sooner than many other people. So just stay in their lives because when they hit that wall, your phone's going to ring and that person's going to be on the other end, right? They're not going to call their, their atheist friend who, who says, well, there's no rhyme or reason to life at all. You know, they're going to call somebody of spiritual depth that would be you. When the student's ready, the teacher will appear. So yeah, apathy is a hard problem. In fact, at Southern Evangelical Seminary, a great place to take courses, by the way, ses.edu, yeah. um, uh, Dr. Norman Geiser once asked his class, what's the greatest problem in America today? Is it ignorance or apathy? And one student said, I don't know and I don't care. Right. So yeah, apathy is a big problem. If I had uh, the cure for apathy, everyone would be a Christian and I'd be a billionaire because I could get people to do what I wanted. But apathy is a hard problem. And look, we're all apathetic at certain points in life about certain things, right? You all you people watching right now, if you're a Christian, you, there's probably a time you didn't care about God. You didn't care about Christianity. You cared about other things, right? And, and maybe you got to give people the same grace that you that you that other people gave you at one point, right? Don't expect everybody to to, to see everything your way right now, maybe they will someday. Look, when I go to a college campus and there's a 20-year-old kid who doesn't agree with me, I expect they shouldn't agree with me. Why should I expect some 20-year-old kid to agree with my 61-year-old self? When I was 20, I didn't agree with my 61-year-old self, right? So give people some grace there. Everyone's in a process of learning. Everyone's in a process of spiritual development one way or the other. So we're just trying to uh, uh, show the truth as we see it and then leave the results to God. That's all we can do. Guys, I have a quick question here. I want to read Elijah Barbosa says, how do you answer someone who says they, there are animals who are gay? So, you know, I assume they uh, engage in homosexual activity, right? Mm -hmm. Same sex. Uh, so they are, they use that to justify and say that people are born that way as well. Okay. Well, that's in the book as well. The short answer is some animals eat their young too. <laughs> That, Does that mean we ought to do that? That is the short answer. Yes. Yeah, no, we, we ought not be looking to animals for our moral examples. We ought to be looking up, not down, okay? And the truth is we're all born that way. We're all born with a predisposition to, to, to do wrong things. It's easy to be bad. It's hard to be good. The mm -hmm. heart is deceitful and wicked. Who can understand it, said Jeremiah? Jesus right. said men love darkness rather than light. It's easy to be bad. It's hard to be good. It's easy to pull. It's easy to follow your desires without moral restraint. The you're ultimately going down somewhere and it's not going to be pretty. Mm -hmm. 
You do have to position is when you're having to say mm -hmm. the animals did it. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay, good. Uh, so if you don't already have a copy, in fact, if you already have a copy, you obviously need to go out and get a new copy because culture is changing constantly. We really, really hope Frank doesn't have to do a part seven, but ready for a part seven. Please get a copy of the book, pre-order it. Please leave a positive review after you've read it. Uh, that goes a long way in places like Amazon that want to cancel and censor all this kind of content and the world needs what would look like an entirely different place if christians felt brave enough to speak up and say enough is enough yes and you saw the qr code there if amazon takes it down we're going to have it at crossexamine.org so you can go to crossexamine.org click on store you'll find it there uh, by the way amazon a fiction set 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 Oh. Yes. Oh, the, it's in the gay thick. Maybe more people read, right? They'll, <laughs> they'll see it there. Okay. Um, it, it's it's interesting because uh, Jack Hibbs, you know, at his church last week, uh, when we put the QR code up in each of his services, the book actually went to number 80 of all books on Amazon. Number 80 of all books, not books or, you know, books on same-sex relationships. It went to number 80. So a lot of people, I guess, pre-ordered it. And uh, hopefully more will order it, pre-order it now, uh, because then it, it will help the ratings and more people will see it. So if you do order it on Amazon, it will move it up the charts a little bit and it will help more people to see it. And therefore, hopefully get more people. To mm -hmm. So and by the way, if anyone reads it and goes, hey, I think you're wrong about that, you know, you can email us at crossexamine.org. Hello at crossexamine.org and say, hey, here's why I think you're wrong about this. And if we are, but uh, really, you know, there's, yeah. there's, there's the QR code. You can just put your phone up to that, take a picture of it. It'll take you to the Amazon website there. Yeah. Great. <laughs> All right. Closing comments. Yeah. Closing comment. You're not helping people when you're silent. We need to be less concerned about who we're offending and more concerned about who remains misled when we're silent. And too many people are on what they know to be true. Mm -hmm. You know there are only two genders. You know only men, men and men can come together and make a child. You know only women. Can. In fact, I heard one pastor say everybody in this room has come. I know it's a, little, it's a little crude the way he said it, but everybody in this room and everybody watching right now has come through the legs of a woman. Okay? <laughs> a biological woman. You don't from a biological man. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows this. And uh, academics, of course, are flawed. That's why you can watch Matt Walsh is what is a woman uh, uh, documentary and see academics just unable to deal because it just completely obliterates transgender ideology. And we have to govern our lives not by, ideolo not by ideology, but by the truth. That's and uh, the, 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 the truth is, is there are only men and women. The truth is, is that uh, transgender surgery is 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 not what it's chalked up to be. It has so many side effects. It doesn't yield for most people the the results they want. The suicide rate is 19 times higher than the general public. We should never be doing this to children. And if Christians can't stand up for children, Christians, you can't stand up for anything. Grow up. Come on. These are our neighbors. Yeah. We have to love them. That's right. Right. That's right. All right, folks. I guess that's it for tonight or today. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks for getting the book. And uh, we'll see you on Monday night uh, for the number seven edition of Digging Up the Bible. We're going to be talking more about the Exodus, the documentary hypothesis. We may even get to, to Jericho on Monday night. We'll see. There's so much archaeological evidence out there. You don't want to miss it. Phoenix, thanks for doing this. Yeah, my pleasure. One of my favorite topics, oddly enough. <laughs> right, more coming. All right, folks. Thanks so much. We'll see you here Monday night at 730.